0: Hello there, I'm David, and I read Wikipedia, and on this 24 hour long Tuesday, I'm going to be reading to you the Wikipedia article for Frank Jenner, Frank Jenner Evangelist. No relation to Bruce Jenner, or, sigh, Caitlyn Jenner, this is Frank Jenner, quite some time ago. He was around. All righty, Vegemitey, Frank Arthur Bones Jenner, surname often misspelled Jenner, which to you, dear listener, are the same thing, was born on the 2nd of November 1903, finished up, left the building on the 8th of May, 1977. He was an Australian evangelist. His signature approach to evangelism was to ask people on George Street, Sydney, if you, quote, if you died within 24 hours, where would you be in eternity, heaven or hell? I think, it doesn't say it here, but I think after that he went dun-dun-dun. Born and raised in England, he contracted African Tyrannosaurus rex osmosis at the age of 12 and suffered from narcolepsy. He's having sex with dead people for the rest of his life. After some time, he joined the Royal Navy, but deserted in New York and joined the United States Navy. He's a real boat hopper, this fellow. When he was 24, he deserted again. Jesus. Jesus. While in Australia, he subsequently worked for the Royal Australian Navy until he bought his way out in 1937. I'm going to say until he bought the farm in 1937. No, nope, that's forty years too soon. All right, we're going to do quick facts. It's about a person, so we've got. stuff. Oh, we got a picture. Frank Jenner. He's the the from like the line that goes through his ears upwards. He's not a bad looking fella. From there on down, it's like it's all. It looks like he's been stung by a bee. All a bit blown up. He looks like he's made out of Play Doh, and there was just a little bit too much Play Doh. And there's like, ah, oh, do we have this tiny bit left over, or do we just put it all on his jaw and, and you know, look a bit too big, but we don't want to waste Play Doh. Alright, nicknames Bones. Thank you doke. Ah, born, died, buried at uh, Warona Lawn Cemetery. Not just for dead grass. His spouse Jesse Jenner. And he had some. Relations, Anne Carruthers was his daughter. Is that a famous person, Anne Carruthers? Who knows. That year, Jenner encountered a group of men from the Glanton Exclusive Brethren who were engaging in open-air preaching, and he converted to Christianity. Boom, just like that. Found Jesus. Take me into your sweet, sweet arms, baby Jesus. For 28 years, from his initial conversion until his debility from Parkinson's disease, Jenner engaged in personal evangelism probably speaking with more than 100,000 people in total. One person who became a Christian after encountering Jenner's question was Noel Stanton, who went on to found the Jesus Army in 1969. It's unclear whether that is an army ready for the return of Jesus, an army of Jesuses, an army for Jesus, just the Jesus Army. In 1952, the Reverend Francis Dixon, Frankie Dick, of Lanston Baptist Church in Bournemouth, England, began hearing several testimonies from people who became Christians after Jenner accosted them on George Street, Sydney. I would have said the word accosted had negative connotations. The following year, Dixon met with Jenner in Australia and told him about the people he had met who had become Christians as a result of Jenner's evangelism. Comma, and Jenner, then 50 years old, cried. Because he was a big fat baby. Cried because he had not previously known that even one of the people he had talked to had remained a Christian beyond their initial profession of faith. I think that's enough to make anyone cry, not just fifty-year-old Jenna. Jenna died. Jenna, Jenna had one of everything. Jenna died from colorectal cancer in 1977, after having tyrannosaurus rex osmosis and Parkinson's a year before I was born. Couldn't you stick around? We could have met. He could have asked me what I was going to do for the next 24 hours. While he was alive, very few people knew of him. But after he died, stories of his evangelistic activities circulated widely. Now that's at odds with the 100,000 people who he met. You would think that at least 100,000 people knew of him. I'd like to think that less than 100 people know of me. Anyway, so he died. Stories of his evangelistic activities circulated wildly. And elements of some of these stories contradicted others. Oh my. In 2000, Raymond Wilson published Jenner of George Street, colon, Sydney's soul-winning sailor, in an attempt to... Why do so many book names have colons? Never semicolons. I'd like to see more book names with semicolons in them, in the title. Nonetheless, conflicting accounts of Jenner's life have continued to propagate, including accounts from Ray Comfort and che Arn. In which Jenner is referred to as Mr. Jenner. You can't tell, dear listener, because you're, you're reading this with your ear holes. But Mr. Jenner was spelt incorrectly there. Someone's a bit bitter about his surname being misspelled. Ray Comfort is a man. The photo of him looks like he's, he's holding an invisible beach ball. is what Ray Comfort is famous for. Walking around with an invisible beach ball. Early life. Heading... Frank Jenner, Frank Arthur Jenner, was born on two november nineteen oh three, or the second of november nineteen oh three for those that write like people read, in Southampton, Hampshire, England. His father was a hotel pub owner and formerly sea captain. Jenner had four brothers. According to his posthumous biographer Raymond Wilson, Jennifer was anti authoritarian as a boy, and at the age of twelve during World War I, He was sent to work aboard a training ship for misbehaving boys. That'd be a barrel of laughs, that ship. Crowded confines, lots of spots for me to bump my head and misbehaving people everywhere. When he was 14, the ship sailed from Southampton to Cape Town, South Africa. On the way, while the ship was docked at a port in West Africa, a titsy fly bit Jenner, a titsy tiny fly bit Jenner, and infected him with... Oh, that's the um, Tyrannosaurus Mosa and therefore contracted African Tyrannosaurusmosis, which is also called sleeping sickness. He subsequently entered a 15-day coma, but eventually recovered 15 days. That'd be nice to have a break. From this point on, he suffered from excessive daytime sleepiness, and was eventually diagnosed with narcolepsy, which prevented him from ever being able to love again. No, to drive a car. When the war ended, he returned to England. I don't know what having has got to do with driving a car. Navy career heading, and we got a picture. It's the Harbour Bridge. The flatbed is missing. I've never heard of this, but someone must have stolen the flatbed of the Harbour Bridge. Judging from the film and the grain in the photo, I'd say that's around 1937, perhaps a bit before. The the grey text below this picture that's smaller than the rest. Jenna was one of the Royal Australian Navy sailors who retrieved HMAS Canberra from England. Apparently someone... Drove HMSA Canberra to England, got drunk, woke up in the morning, couldn't remember where they left HMAS Canberra, left it there by mistake. Jenna and a bunch of others had to go to England to, uh, to retrieve it. Happens to the best of us. After some time, Jenner joined the Royal Navy, but as we heard earlier, he deserted in New York City, the United States. He soon joined the United States Navy. Jenner's daughter stated in an interview after his death, that he learned how to gamble during this time, and he soon developed the impulse control disorder of problem gambling. Oh, what bad luck that he learned to gamble and contracted the disease of impulse control disorder at the same time. What are the odds? He became particularly attached to the game Craps. I didn't know it was actually spelt Craps. He became particularly attached to the game Craps which was popular in the United States at the time. He started to keep a rabbit's foot in the left upper pocket of his shirt and would rub it with his left hand while he rolled the dice with his right, or a specific fact about Frank Jenner. Frankie baby here. His shipmates therefore began calling him Bones, a nickname that he retained for the rest of his Navy career. When he was 24, his work with the United States Navy involved going to Australia and he deserted again, this time in Melbourne. There he met Charlie Peters, who invited him to his home to have a meal with his family, including Jessie, Peters's 23-year-old daughter. Oh my, I'd like to imagine it was love at first sight. Jessie and Jenna married a year later, well, they didn't mess around, on the 6th of July 1929, at HMAS Cerebus, Cerberus, at HMAS Cerberus. They continued to live in Melbourne after their wedding, and Jenna joined the Royal Australian Navy to get away from her. He soon became one of the sailors assigned to travel to England to retrieve HMAS Canberra. He was serving on HMAS Australia in 1937 when he was legally discharged from the Navy, buying his way out but not receiving a pension. In 1939, with the onset of World War II, Jenner was recalled to active duty. Because of his narcolepsy, (laughs) he was given shore duties in Sydney. In this capacity, he participated in undercover operations, and delivered sealed orders. After the war, he left the Navy and became a janitor for IBM, a technology and consulting corporation. Things I've learnt so far from this article being unnecessarily specific, New York is in the United States, and IBM is a technology and consulting corporation. Conversion to Christianity. We got a picture. The picture is of Collins Street, Melbourne. Some, uh, Some facades... I'd say ornate facades. There, they're very uh, orangey, almost as if they're made from sandstone. Yellow cabs out the front. A van and a uh, a caption. That's the word. A caption. Jenner converted to Christianity because of open air preaching on Collins Street, Melbourne. I should point out that there's a there's like a phone booth right in the middle of that photo. Once you've seen it, you don't see anything else. In 1937, Jenner encountered a group of men from the Glanton Open Brethren standing in front of the National Australia Bank on Collins Street, just chillin', chillin' with their homies on a hot summer's day. One of the men was engaging in open-air preaching. Jenner interrupted the man to say that he would listen to the man's good news, provided that he was allowed to share some good news first. Is it real? Real troublemaker. The man agreed, so Jenner taught the group of brethren how to play craps there on the pavement, spreading his disease of gambling. One of the brethren invited Jenner to his home for tea and told him about the gospel. This Jenner chap gets invited to tea alone. I've never been invited to tea. Jenner converted to Christianity, boom, like that, and when he went home told Jessie that she was a sinner bound for hell and therefore in need of salvation. All right, I've made my ruling. Jenner's a dickhead. According to Wilson's biography of Dickhead, Jessie thought that Jenner had become manic or insane or dickheady. They had a young daughter named Anne. By this point, no doubt also a sinner, and Jenna was gambling so much that he was not providing for his family. For both of these reasons, Jessie left Jenna and moved to Cowra to work on a farm, taking Anne with her. My sister went to Cowra. She said that she would. Re- this is she is uh, Jessie, not my sister. She said that she would return only when Jenna regained his sanity. On several occasions, he aggressively told Jesse's brothers that they needed to become Christians, which angered them. Because they were Jewish. Muslims. On one of these occasions, their conversation became physical, and they began punching with each other. Oh boys, use your words. The brothers rejected Jenna and were never reconciled to him. He wrote to his family back in England, informing them of his conversation, with fists, and asking them to become Christians too. But he received no reply. Wow, this guy is just all sorts of... We've got a picture! It is a ship. It has two pipes sticking out the top. Ooh, and masts as well. It has masts and the pipe things. They don't make them like that anymore. I don't like the framing of the photo at all. The, the horizon's right in the middle. It's like 50-50. Too much water in the foreground. I'd like to see a bit more sky. Jenna's wife and daughter moved to India to avoid the stress of poverty Arising, because there's no poverty in India. stress of poverty, arising from Jenner's frequent unemployment. But they eventually returned to him on SS, or on Say. Later in 1937, Jesse became seriously infected with boils. And while under the care of a Glanton Brethren family, became a Christian. Ah, suck it Frank, you couldn't get her to convert. But that Glanton Brethren family could. Before the end of the year, Jenner and Jesse began living together again. Because they gave up, that's why. Although Jenna gave up gambling, oh maybe that's why. He was often unemployed because he would evangelise at his workplace and then be fired. Not much of a lesson learner, this chap. In 1939, Jesse developed a peptic ulcer. Just going through the dictionary of... Whatever the dictionary of things that can go wrong with you are. WebMD, going whatever WebMD was in 1939. At the time, it was believed that such ulcers were caused by stress... And in fact, it was a chap from Melbourne that won the Nobel Prize for proving that ulcers were formed by bacteria. That's an aside, that's me bringing more stuff to the table. And Jessie's ulcer was therefore attributed to the stress induced by the family's lack of money. Consequently, she and Anne moved to India to live with Jenna's aunt Emily Mackenzie, who ran the Kotagiri Keswick Missionary Home, and subsequently attended Hebron School in Uti, Tamil Nadu until she was ten years old. Once Jessie had recovered from her illness, they returned to Sydney on the SS Oronsay So what I now know is that the caption for the previous picture was quite a spoiler for the next chapter. Jenna would normally wake up to pray at five AM each day. I suspect that was just his nickname for going to the bathroom. In the nineteen forties Jenna left the Glanton Brethren and joined the Open Brethren, the much better Brethren. That's like open source for brethren. For the rest of his life, Jenner attended open Brethren churches, one on Goulburn Street in Sydney, and the other in Blexley, New South Wales. No, Bexley. At these churches, people did not understand what narcolepsy was, and and wondered what Jenner was doing to them. Jenner, get out of the morgue! And thought that Jenner was consistently falling asleep, I don't know what that's a reference to, during services, because he lacked respect for God. The church on Goulburn Street also disapproved of his partnership with other Christian organisations and churches. Jenner actively partnered with The Navigators, Campaigners for Christ, Baptists, Anglicans and Methodists. It's like Jesus' ice cream and he wants all the flavours. I'll have some of the macadamia nut one and some choc chip and some vanilla. Some rum and raisin. That's the Methodists. Evangelism is a heading, and we got another picture. This is this is thick with pictures. This photo also has splotches of yellow, much like the one of Collins Street in Melbourne. But the yellow in this picture is not taxis; it is something else. The caption. Oh no! I should tell you what's in the picture. It's a uh, it's a street. We've got a Subaru Forester. We've got a Toyota Camry, I think. There's a Ute. I don't know what sort of Ute it is. Uh, There's some traffic lights and they're orange. So we know that someone took this photo while the lights were orange. There's a London plane. Is the tree? There's there's several London planes. Looks like George Street. Out of gratitude to God for giving him salvation, Jenna committed to consistently engaging in personal evangelism and aimed to talk with 10 different people every day, thenceforward For 28 years from his initial conversion until his debility from Parkinson's disease... Jenner engaged in this form of evangelism. He probably spoke with more than 100,000 people in total, hundreds of whom made initial professions of commitment to Christianity. Right, so, hey, you, be a Christian. Yeah, all right. Woohoo, that's a conversion. He kept religious tracts in his shirt pocket where he had previously kept his rabbit's foot, and he often gave these tracts to people he met. The hell is a tract? Luckily, it's underlined blue, so I can click. The distribution of tracts predates the development of the printing press. The term being applied by scholars... Ah, I now know that I don't care what a tract is. He kept religious tracts in his shirt pocket where he had previously kept his rabbit's foot. And he often gave these tracts to people he met. He also kept a card in his pocket with with Philippians 4,13 on it in order to give himself courage in evangelising. This verse reads, please, I know it from heart. I'm not even going to read the page. I'm just going to tell you what I know. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It's just stupid. People get so hung up on these things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Please. While engaging in these activities, Jenna would normally wear underpants, a white shirt, black shoes, trousers, socks, sometimes a navy greatcoat. I added in the undies and the socks. Usually, ev- I should have said panties. Usually, evangelizing on George Street, Sydney, Jenner asked many people the same question, uh, and I'm going to read it out for the third time: If you died within 24 hours, where would you be in eternity, heaven or hell? If they were willing to engage in conversation with him, he would invite them either to his home or to a local church. The question became known as the Frank Jenner question. Jenner was most active in the evenings, Jenner was most active in evangelism during World War II. On Saturday nights during the war, Jenner would invite groups of sailors to his home for a service consisting of some hymns and a short sermon. No comment. One of the people to whom Jenner posed his question was Noel Stanton, a man from Bedfordshire, England, who was serving in Sydney with the Royal Navy at the time. I think this is a bit of a copy-paste from up above. Stanton became preoccupied with the memory of this meeting. For several months afterwards, and the next year, became a committed Christian. Stanton went on to found the Jesus Army in North... I'm going to click on it this time, the Jesus Army. Yep, hate all of them. In 1945, Jenner approached Norris Jeffs, who had just returned from participating in Operation Meridian... Operation Meridian! ...at Palembang, on Sumatra. So they don't tell me that Sumatra is in wherever Sumatra is. Indonesia or Malaysia or one of those. But they tell me that IBM's a technology company and that New York is in the United States. And having asked Jeffs his question, Jeffs responded that he was already a Christian. Thank you very much. Jenner then invited Jeffs over to his house so that they could have a little Christian party, where Jeffs met several other visitors, including the woman who would later become his wife. In 1950, people just bumped into people and got married back then, I think. In 1952, another person Jenner accosted with his question on George Street was Ian Boyden, a man from Roseville, who was serving in the Royal Australian Air Force. After having a brief conversation with Jenner, Boyden accepted Jenner's invitation to attend a church service at Randwick. Renwick? Oh, Renwick. Renwick Gospel Hall. Where he responded to the sermon by committing to living as a Christian thenceforward, which he did for at least 50 years. Many other people who had a brief encounter with Jenner on the street in Sydney also became Christians. But Jenner did not realise that any of the people he accosted had remained a Christian, beyond their initial profession of faith, until nineteen fifty three when Francis Dixon, Frankie Dick, told him the stories of several such people. When Dave Roston, another Sydney evangelist, attempted evangelist? Evangelist Evangelist attempted to imitate Jenner's methods of evangelism, he was punched in the midriff by the first person he spoke to. So he decided that Jenner's approach to evangelism was not for others to emulate. Oh, Dave Roston, you just did it wrong. I'd like to think that Dave Roston did everything wrong. He'd like see someone walk into an elevator and go, oh, that's how you walk into an elevator. And then he'd try the same thing and the doors would crush him. And he'd go, oh, how did I do that wrong? And then he'd see someone like put an umbrella in those, you know, the umbrella condom things that you get that you... So that they don't drip on the floor, he'd see someone do that and go, Oh, that seems simple enough, I'll give it a crack. And he'd stab it like through the side of the thing, and then he'd fall over and everything would go wrong, and people would go, Oh Dave Roston, you can't do anything right and they'd punch him in the midriff. Alright, oh, where was I? There's actually a reference on Dave Roston getting stuff wrong. There's not a Wikipedia article for Dave Roston, though. He probably went to write one and his computer caught on fire. <laughs> Just made myself laugh. In 1947, Jenner asked his question to a man named Angus Carruthers. I'm sure it said Anne Carruthers further up in the article. Angus Carruthers, who responded that he was a Christian and going to heaven. Jenner invited Carruthers back to his home, where Carruthers met Jenner's daughter, Anne. Oh yeah. Carruthers and Anne married three years later. It's a mixture of surnames and first names. Discovery by Francis Dixon we got a picture of Frankie Dick. Frankie Dick is a... Uh, he's got some eyebrows, that's all I'm going to say. And his hat is uh, circular. Two things you now know about Frankie Dixon. The caption. The story of Frank Jenner, pictured... Oh, it's Frank Jenner, it's not Frank's, Frankie Dixon at all. the sto- I'd like to see his photo of... What is his name? Dave Roston. The story of Frank Jenner, pictured, became popular because of Francis Dixon, Frankie Dick... Who investigated after meeting many people who had converted to Christianity after encountering a man on George Street, the Reverend Francis Wilmore Dixon, was the head pastor of Lansdowne Baptist Church in Bournemouth, England. Something just happened to my lips, and his youth pastor Peter Culver became a Christian as a result of meeting Jenner on George Street on the 2nd of September 1945. In 1952, at an All Nations Bible College event. Dixon and Culver heard Noel Stanton's Christian testimony, which included the episode in which Stanton had met Jenna. Dixon then realised that Culver and Stanton must have become Christians as a result of the same man. Can you imagine what that moment was like? The air would have been electric. (laughs) The following year, Dixon heard two different British sailors, who did not know each other, tell their testimonies. Every time I read testimonies, I think testicles and then I think of ferrets down my pants testimonies at Lansdowne Baptist Church, and both had told very similar stories to Culver at Stanton. Both had been walking down George Street and had been asked Jenna's famous question. I put the word famous in there. wasn't, it's not in the article. Dixon then travelled to Australia with his wife to engage in itinerant preaching there. Dixon hoped to find Jenna there, although Dixon knew no, the name of the man he was looking for. In Adelaide, so he's in the wrong place, in Adelaide, Dixon told the stories of Culver and Stanton while preaching. Murray Wilkes then approached Dixon and said that he had also become a Christian after having been asked Jenna's question on George Street. At a Methodist church in Perth, Dixon Dixon told Culver's, Stanton's and Wilkes's stories again and met yet another person who had become a Christian after an encounter with Jenna. Finally arriving in Sydney after going round Australia in a clockwise fashion, Dixon asked Alec Gilchrist, of Campaigners for Christ, if he knew a man who asked strangers on George Street whether or not they were headed for heaven or hell. Gilchrist said, well by golly I do, that and also that he was familiar with Jenner, and informed Dixon about how to contact Jenner, i.e. walk down George Street. Dixon visited Jenner at his house, naturally, and told him about all the people he had met who had become Christians because of Jenner's evangelism. Jenner, now 50 but still frisky, had never before heard of even one person living their lives as Christians as a result of his evangelism, and he cried upon hearing that there were several. After returning from Australia, Dixon went on to discover more people who had become Christians, but by now it wasn't that interesting, because of Jenner in Bournemouth, Cumbria, India and Jamaica. By 1979, Dixon had discovered 10 people. Who had become Christians as a result of Jenna's evangelism? It is because of Dixon that the story of Jenna's evangelism began to be told. Dixon's wife Nancy wrote an account of Jenna's evangelism which she called the Jenna Story. Later life. We got a picture of the most depressing looking church. Is a gospel hall a church or are there different things? Anyway, it's Bexley Gospel Hall. And I'm trying to think think of things I would rather do than go there. I'd rather suffocate to death in peanut butter than go there. In later years, Jenna developed Parkinson's disease and therefore retired from IBM, a technology company. With money that Jesse had inherited, the couple moved to Bexley in 1953, where they began attending Bexley Gospel Hall. Towards the end of his life, Jenna developed dementia and his narcolepsy worsened. For six months he was confined to a bed and was treated with amphetamine. He was then diagnosed with colorectal cancer and spent a subsequent 10 days at Calvary Hospital, Cogra, New South Wales, where he died at 11.45pm on the 8th of May 1977 at the age of 73. Sad. Because he had befriended so many police officers towards the end of his life, his body was given a police escort to the burial which took place at a Warona lawn cemetery. His wife died two years later. Legacy While Jenner was alive, very few people knew of him, and the effects of his evangelism were largely unrecognised. After his death, however, stories about his evangelism circulated wildly, and also widely. Stories of his evangelistic activities generated a largely oral tradition, and elements of some stories contradicted others. As is often the case with oral traditions, many storytellers said that Jenna was small in stature and that he had white hair. This description is contradicted by interviews with family members, and what and the photo of him also. Uh, we got a picture. I'm not very excited about it. It's taken with a mediocre camera. Flash a bit too bright. The fella doesn't look like he wanted to have his photo taken. He's a bit like what. Ugh. His whole face looks like a sigh. There's a caption. Ray Comfort, pictured, wrote an account of Jenner's evangelism in which Jenner is called Mr. Jenner, spelt incorrectly. And Cheyenne repeated this account in the 2006 book, Spirit-Led Evangelism. In 2000, Raymond Wilson published a book called Jenner of George Street, colon, Sydney's soul-winning sailor, in an attempt to tell the story of Jenner's life accurately. Jenner's family had been finding it painful to have alternate accounts of Jenner's life circulating around the world, so they gave Wilson all the goss, all the information he desired. Wilson wrote that Jenner was eccentric, dot dot dot, the very antithesis of the wise, mighty and noble, but that his life was therefore a good demonstration of 2 Corinthians 12 colon 9, which states that God's, power is made perfect in weakness. I really must read the Bible one day. There's there's a lot of gems in there. Power is made perfect in weakness. Life-changing. Wilson wrote that Jenner's question of heaven or hell was very similar to that of Arthur Stace, another Australian street evangelist, who wrote the word eternity on the sidewalks so people would consider where they would be in eternity. I prefer the Arthur Stace method. Wilson called Jenner a battler and did not recommend that his readers emulate Jenner's evangelistic activities, we get punched in the midriff, unless divinely fitted in a similar way. Wilson wrote that he traveled and corresponded widely and wildly to ascertain the facts of the story and that he personally verified the accuracy of the information by retrieving first-hand accounts from all of the major figures in Jenner's life. The people Wilson interviewed included Nancy Dixon, Anne and Angus Carruthers, Jenner's daughter and son-in-law, Murray Wilkes, Ian Boyden, Tasma... list of names, I don't care. Nonetheless, conflicting accounts of Jenner's life continued to propagate, at least as late as 2006. In some accounts of Jenner's evangelism, Jenner is referred to as Mr. Jenner, spelled incorrectly. One such account was revived... No, not revived, the word's recorded. They're not even similar. Well, they start with R and end in D, but still. One such account was recorded by Ray Comfort, on the Living Waters website, and then repeated in the 2006 book, Spirit-Led Evangelism, Reaching the Lost Through Love and Power, by Che Arn. By the way, it's C-H-E, with a little apostrophe like in cafe, and then A-H-N. These are the letters that I'm turning into Che Arn. Arn is one of the storytellers who referred to Jenner as a little white-haired man, and Arn concludes his story... Oh, Arne is a he. Hm. And Arne concludes his story by writing that Jenner died two weeks after encountering Dixon, who is not named. These details contradict the information provided by Wilson, who writes in his biography that Jenner died more than 20 years after Dixon told him about the people who had become Christians as a result of his evangelism. In 2013, Gary Wilkinson produced and directed The Frank Jenner Question. a documentary, f- oh, there's a film. The documentary film... Featuring interviews with, you don't need to listen to this then, you can just go and watch the film. Featuring interviews with Jenna's daughter and people who would become Christians because of Jenna's evangelism. Claire Goodwin encouraged people to emulate Jenna and get punched in the midriff by including an account of his evangelism in a 2013 book compelled to tell a fascinating journey from a New York dead end street to a lifetime of ministry and Soul winning. Big book name. And we're done. There's some notes. They're not very interesting. I read them. There's one about like the history of the word gospel. You can live without. And something about uh, bacteria. I'm going to try a new little outro. Each week I'm going to read three of my favourite plane hijackings between Cuba and the United States. On October 26, 1965, National Airlines Flight 209 was hijacked by a Cuban with a pellet gun. Wanting to rescue his family in Havana... He was taken down by the crew with an axe. On November 17, 1965, so that's a little less than a month later, National Airlines Flight 30 experiences an attempted hijacking by a 16-year-old boy armed with a gun demanding to be taken to Cuba. He fired six shots through the floor before becoming overpowered. Six months or so later, in 1966, Angel Maria, a chap armed with a pistol, tries to hijack a plane from Santiago de Cuba to Havana with 97 persons in an attempt to reach the US. The pilot opposed to the hijacking and landed in Havana. The hijacker then killed the pilot and an armed guard for good measure, seriously wounding the co-pilot. Poor poor co-pilot. The event had a large effect on Cubans. The hijacker later was caught and executed. So there you go, some hijackings between Cuba and the United States. If you would like to ask me where I will be in For All Eternity, I can't even remember what the guy asked. Something about 24 hours. If you think you're going to either heaven or hell, you are wrong, but you can still comment on uh, this podcast, www.DavidReadsWikipedia.com. It's a web address for those not in the know. There's got to be people out there that hear go-to-something.com all the time and just have no idea what it means. Well, I'm going to tell you. It's an internet thing. So there you go. Also Twitter, David underscore Reads underscore Wikipedia dot Twitter. Bye.